It's a reading from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. <clears throat> and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters, to separate water from water. So God made the vault, and separated the water from under the vault, from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky, to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky, to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth, 
and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Uh, did you hear that as we sang? Though the years go fleeting by, they really do, don't they? Another new year has begun, yet your mercies never change. And here we are, people uh, gathered, depending on the mercy of a merciful Lord. Let me lead us in a prayer. Uh, Lord God, we thank you uh, to stand before you, knowing that you are merciful. And in your mercy, please would you speak to us, your people, this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, please do sit down. Uh, let me add my welcome to Steve's. Um, it's terrific to, to welcome you again um, uh, at the start of a new year. Uh, some of you have been away, haven't you? Not just uh, away from Cambridge to another city in the UK. Some of you have been away overseas uh, to visit family, uh, and you're back. Uh, others uh, are new. Those of us, there might be some who you've been uh, kind of not here for a while because you've been poorly. It's great to gather again. Great to, to be together as people, to hear God's word, and really excited uh, about all that God has in store for us uh, this year. And as we come to look at this series, thinking about authentic humanity, uh, do keep uh, your Bible open uh, in front of you as we, as we come to look at this passage in Genesis. What does it mean to be human? I, I mean, at first glance, it, it seems like a, an easy question, doesn't it? Because well, I am, and you are. Yeah, we're, we're human, aren't we? But it's not long before it gets tricky. I asked someone in my house just the other day, what, what, what's a human? And they started to answer, but even as they began, they thought, oh, it's, it's hard to explain, isn't it? One medical ethicist writing in 2013 said this, we need to differentiate between human beings and potential persons. It's quite something, isn't it? Do we need to differentiate between that? It's quite, quite a thought. What, what do they mean by it? Where are they going to go with that kind of thinking? And it goes something like this. A, a newborn baby is a human being, but not a person. And so they say there are no reasons for banning after-birth abortions. Uh, I was at a funeral yesterday. Friends we had in Derby, their little girl, um, died at nine months old. And nobody said yesterday, it's not so bad, because they were only a potential person. And what does it mean to be human? Or here, here's another thing, uh, uh, one of the professors of health policy at Stanford University in the States, uh, coming out of the last pandemic, he messaged this out on Twitter, you are not first and foremost a biohazard. It just caught my attention with that. Now, he obviously didn't see my room when I was a teenager, uh, but you, you understand what he's getting at. He's beginning to pick up on the way people were being talked about. Do you remember when we called certain people super spreaders? It, it just came out so easily, and it seemed to make sense, but history's told us, isn't it, how you think about people impacts the way you, you treat them. 
What does it mean to be human? Uh, the philosopher Hans Jonas argued this, that three things set humans apart from other creatures. You know, what would they be, do you think? It's a good, I mean, I won't do it because time's limited this morning. If you, if you were to come up with your list of three, what, what are the three things that set humans apart from other creatures? And this is what he comes up with. Uh, the tool, uh, the image, and the grave. Here's what he says, that the tools, that we, we make tools to leave our imprint on the world. The image, images and art that we use to express memory and beauty. And then he says the third one, the grave. It's only humans who bury their dead. We seem to be saying with every death, something unrepeatable has been lost. And we need to mark it. It's quite a thought, that, isn't it? With, with every death, there's a pair of eyes that have closed for the last time through whom that would see the world in a unique way and be able to say something about it, and we've lost that. Only humans bury their dead. What does it mean to be human? And what should we be doing? Look, here's one vision of humanity. And you may have heard this before, if you're British and of a certain age, you, you might be familiar with this, but you can listen in on the words. If you can, keep your heads when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, not dealing lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch. If neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you. If all men count with you but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run. And then hear this, this is where it lands. Yours is the earth and everything in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. Now, I find some of that quite moving. It's written as from a father to a son. It could be, I guess, in a sense, from a mother to a daughter. And you might think, well, it's just kind of old poetry. But it's the sense... In it, there's still a sense of something what you get in Harry Kane's uh, New Year's tweet. I don't know if you came a, a, across this. He, he put out, here's my resolutions. You might not be able to read it. My New Year's resolutions for the last 10 years. And all it says is improve. And there's something in it, isn't it? The quest for authentic humanity. But really, as you step back and think about it, it is the voice of secular, secular humanism saying, it's all down to you, if you can. But what if you can't? 
What if you can't? What if you're not brilliant at sport? Some of us are not. What if you're not brilliant at sport? What if you don't seem to improve academically the way your friends do? What if you find yourself teenager and you just don't seem to get it in the classroom? It doesn't work for you like that and here in a place in Cambridge. Or what if you receive a diagnosis that won't improve? Is the earth and everything in it no longer for you? Are you less human? Are you only a potential person? And as you begin to think about that, look, if, if our humanity is linked to if you can, then we're in a pretty vulnerable position, aren't we? Because what about the situations where we can't? But look, here's what we're thinking about this morning, because the Bible comes with a different vision and different words. Instead of if you can, Genesis 1, it, it gives to us and God said. Three different words. And instead of it's all down to you, comes you have been created. There is a divine will and affection behind your existence. Your humanity, your personhood, it is not potential it is given. Genesis 1 says, you need to know you are created. So come with me and have a look at this passage uh, this morning. It is not, it's not that long, is it? It's not that long to read. It's not a whole book, yet it's filled with, yet it's vast and it's filled with details. And we're shown the cosmos in these opening words, but then land on people. I don't know if you picked up in, in little ways towards the end. There they are, people eating, working, having families. We're introduced to God. And he is the uncreated creator. But even here, details catch you. The, you won't pick up in our English translation, but the, the word for God is plural, and yet there's one God. And we're told the spirit of God in a distinct way is, is hovering over creation. Then God's word is heard, and even here, God as Trinity is waiting to burst out. Or you notice some of the details as we read that, did you notice this? Maybe you've thought about it before, that, that light is made on day one in verse three. Light is made day one, but sun, moon, and stars, they're not made till day four. What's going on? Then you read the purpose of the sun, moon, and stars, at least in part. Did you notice that in verse 14? Just have a, just have a look. What is the, the purpose of the sun, moon, and stars? And before you say heat and tides and all those things, hear what the Bible says, verse 14. It's, let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. That's what Genesis 1 says they're for. What is this universe that you find yourself in? This says it's like a vast temple. And it is here to help you worship the one who made it and to fill you with wonder. Uh, there's so much 
Just a couple of little details as we look at this chapter. There's so much uh, that we could look at. But I want us to think this morning about humanity in a particular way because a writer wants us to hear a voice that is driving all of this. So a couple of things, two things to think about this morning. Here's the first thing. God creates human life by his gracious word. It's one of the repeated phrases. You'll see in verse 1, in verse 6, in verse 9, 14, 20, 24, and 26, and God said. And I try and get inside those words for a moment. Sometimes there's there's things you only get a, a feel for them if you can find a way inside them. But you try and get a feel for those words, and God said. And you, uh, Think about it this way. Think about the Valley of the Ten Peaks in Banff in Canada. Maybe some of you have had the, uh, the joy to be there, that you can get a, an idea of the picture of it. Stunning beauty. Or you, you think about the 778 million kilometers. That's the distance from the sun to Jupiter. Or you think about snowdrops maybe appearing in your garden. You, you think about uh, that beauty. You think about that distance. You, you, you think about the, the delicate nature of those things, the way they come up each year. Where does all that come from? And God said. His only tool was his word It is the revelation of his will and what he says he does. Tells you something about God's power, doesn't it? The ease with which he creates, creates out of nothing. He needed nothing to create at all and nothing is created because of his need. You might pause and think about that and think, well, isn't that a bad thing? Doesn't that mean that God doesn't need us. Doesn't that mean, to borrow a phrase that's doing the rounds at the moment, we're just spares. We're unwanted. God doesn't need us. Doesn't that leave us insecure? But no, think of it this way. Look, if you can imagine this, it would be pretty miserable, wouldn't it, for a child and a family to feel that their parents' happiness depends on them. That'd be a tricky situation to be in for any child. Can you imagine any young child thinking, gosh, my parents will only be happy if I can somehow make them happy. And parents, we've got to watch out for that, haven't we? I've almost thinking our parents are there in some way to serve us, to make, make us happy. It's tricky if it's that way around. Much better for a child to know I am the fruit and overflow of my parents' existing happiness. And as I come into the world or come into their family, I'm swept up into the love that they already have and into their joy. That is a gracious freedom to enjoy. And good to know that God creates not because he needs me, but because he's gracious. His creation is the overflow and experiences the overflow of his own gracious fullness. But I wonder if this speaking creation, it also tells us how relationally attached God is with what he makes. You ever thought about this? Look, 
Think about it this way. For something to exist, or for us to be able to describe something, it has to already exist, doesn't it? You, you get how that works. For us to describe something, it has to exist in the first place. But, but for God, it's the other way around. God has to describe something in order for it to exist in the first place. It works that way around. And you ponder that, and then maybe this will help you. Think about the way a new mum looks at her baby and delights in describing the details of their face. And she speaks about the eyes and the ears and the turned-up nose. All those details. And just the details that she can see, and she speaks about them. But you read Genesis 1, and you begin to understand, this says about you... This says about us, in order for us to be here, every detail has come by the Creator's gracious word. You are not a potential dependent on how you perform. You have been creatively spoken about in detail by someone who delights in His creation. That's what a human is. From conception, that's what you are. God creates human life by his gracious words. That was the first thing. Here's the second thing. God God also orders human life by his gracious word. And and by order, I don't mean bossing out a command. There might be commands from God, but he arranges it. He orders the way it's to, to flow. He orders human life by his gracious word. It, you see this, this chapter moves from, if you read through it again, from kind of disordered emptiness to orderly fullness. Ver, verse 2 where it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. And that, that idea has led some to see a possible pattern in this chapter. At days 1 to 3, God forms things. Days 4 to 6, God fills the things he's formed. Some have seen that, that kind of pattern there. I think there's something in it. I wouldn't push it all the way, but maybe as you read through it, you, you see that and think about it. I think there's something there. I wouldn't push it all the way. But there's certainly a pattern of God bringing order. And that's very different from the view of secular atheism, isn't it? Daniel Dennett, commenting on Darwin's theory of evolution and natural selection, he writes this, Darwin's great accomplishment was to reduce the design of the universe to a product of purposeless, meaningless matter in motion. There's just stuff, and stuff happens. There's matter that doesn't really matter. But no, this says, no, there's order. You see it on the big scale, there's, there's day and night, they're distinct and they're ordered in particular ways, there's sea and land, and also with humanity, there's men and there's women. We'll think more on this next week, but you, you hear the way we're spoken of in verse 26. Did you notice that? I mean, it goes through so briefly, but it, it says one of the things humanity is to do, to, to rule over creation like we're royalty. That there's a, 
a dignity. It's not just to be the managers, but to rule in some way. There's a royal dignity attached to, to all of humanity. We've had one book this past week, haven't we? Telling us about a royal son who feels like a spare. And I wonder if Genesis 1 would say, look, Harry, don't, you, don't need to read, uh, you don't need to write that book. You need to read this book. And it would say the same to us. It says, here you have this book which says you're not a spare and your life's not a spare. But God orders your life Day and night, sea and sky, male and female. It's pretty clear as you read this, men and women share equally this royal dignity. But, but being male and female, it's a real distinction. It is not self-defined. It has been ordered that way. Again, we'll, we'll come back to some of this in, in weeks following. And yet, it's, I need to say, I know for some, this is an area that feels difficult. For some, their own bodies don't feel like a happy home. But it's still important we all hear this. God orders human life, even down to being male and female, by His gracious words. And that ordering, did you notice, it is not arbitrary. Just notice again verse 28. Just have a look at the way... It's written there, it says this, God blessed them and said, not just about them, but do you notice what it says? And said to them. This is a God who will come close and he'll speak kindly to you. And he orders life to lead towards blessing. You need to know the God who orders your humanity by His gracious word intends it for blessing, so much so that He can pass the verdict on it saying, this is good. It's almost all the time we've got just as we begin into this uh, this morning. But what does this mean for us? Let me try and say a couple of things. What does this mean for us? Being created... And being created in this way, I think, means we need the God who speaks to us. Uh, notice here in Genesis, you notice before, you, you may have thought about this, but if you've not, notice here in Genesis, God speaks even before people have sinned. People need God's words because they are human, even before we need it because we're sinners. But someone might say, yeah, that's all very well, David, but I'm not in Genesis 1. And I am a sinner. I've done things wrong. And to be honest, my life feels disorderly in all sorts of ways. What am I meant to do? Well, first of all, that is you and me both. A sinner with a disordered life. And what we need as created people, we still need the God who speaks to us. We need a God now who can recreate us by his word. 
and can reorder our lives by his words and graciously pass a verdict saying, all will be good again. Is there a God like that? Every Christmas, we read it, don't we, from John's Gospel. You know these words, don't you? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, the the Lord Jesus. He is, if you like, the only tool that God needed for creation. All things were made by Him, for Him. And He is the revelation of God's will. He came in order to recreate us through His own death and resurrection. And now as we listen to His Word, He begins reordering our lives. So if we want our humanity to grow in authentic ways, we need this Word. What do you need this year? I don't know what you've thought about. I I think uh, Christmas... Christmas is barely finished, and you're already being told things. We were watching the TV with our boys. Normally, we watch streaming stuff. Everybody does now. But we were watching some things where adverts were about to come on. We hadn't seen many of them. And I said to the boys, I'll tell you exactly what the adverts are going to be. Uh, And they didn't believe me. Uh, They said, but it's only just after Christmas. And we watched it. And straight away, you know what the first adverts were for? Summer holidays. You seen those? Straight after Christmas. What do you need straight after Christmas? You need to book your summer holidays. It's a vision of the authentic life, isn't it? This is what you need. Maybe some of you are already quite twitchy about it. You've gone, yes, I've got to book this. This is what I need more than anything else. Book your holidays. Or maybe something else you've thought, this is what I really need. I've got to study for my exams. Maybe there's parents saying that already. The thing you've got to do now that we're finished with Christmas is study. That's the thing you need more than anything else. Holidays and studying, they're the things you're hearing. So let me tell you something different. Because you're not going to hear it from the TV. You're not going to hear it at school. Come to church. Come and gather on a Sunday. And if you don't already do this, this year aim to come every week. Make it the exception when you don't. If you come in the morning, why not come in the evening sometimes as well? There is a recreating work that takes place as God speaks to you. Model coming and listening well to those who are younger in your homes. Because if you do, you will encourage and value their humanity in one of the most important ways possible. And read God's word for yourself. Maybe if you've not started doing that yet this year, we've got some notes at the back, explore notes or some other daily readings. That could be a great thing to pick up and read what this God says to you. You have and I have been created by the God who speaks to us and he wants us to hear. Amen. Let's pause for a moment and then Steve will lead us on.